Warning, the Federal Communications Commission requires that we inform you that this episode of the Derek Duvall Show may contain content inappropriate for children. Listener discretion is advised. The FCC also requires us to inform you that this episode may contain the words f***, s***, asshole, mother boy, dumpster, galloping quit, but in like a British way, and also, strangely, cul-de-sac. Once again, this show may contain content not suitable for anyone but the coolest children. Listener discretion is advised. Powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to friends, foes, and neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings, because what you're about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show! Prepare yourself for pop culture, commentary, and interviews featuring no drama and no controversy, guaranteed. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Productions Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Good day, Planet Earth, and welcome to episode three of the Derek Duvall Show. Thank you for taking the time of your day to click play, and I promise a fun and entertaining experience. We have got a great show lined up. We will get to cover my favorite things, a few thoughts on life, and we have a solid and entertaining interview with Chris and Christine, who host the self-titled Chris and Christine Show. So relax, spend an hour with us as we have some fun and bring you up to speed on some absolutely interesting news. So let's get right into it. And now, Derek Duvall's thoughts on life. COVID-19. Never in the modern times has five letters and two numbers caused such pain and suffering. It has affected nearly every facet of our existence. While we are waiting for the 2020 presidential election to play out and see which candidate's COVID plan will be used, we are all trying to adjust to the new lifestyles we have all come to adapt. Masks, sanitizer, all have become an essential to leaving the house such as a purse or car keys. Since the beginning of the pandemic, sports fans all over the world have seen their games and teams put on what was an indefinite hiatus. Months of planning and waiting for the virus to subside, and eventually the sports world figured out a plan. Slowly, baseball and soccer began to open. Fans were kept from the stadiums with franchises choosing empty seats and recorded crowd noise. Football and hockey followed suit. Placing players in a sort of protective social bubble has helped quell the spread with only isolated outbreaks infecting players. For the most part, the experiment seems to be working. But how do sports franchises recoup the losses of putting players on the field with no fans? Most franchises have been skittish to release details of their financial situations, but with season ticket refunds, no concessions, and no regular ticket sales, we can only imagine that in the world of overpaid professional players, it is causing a strain on the wallets of franchise owners. But what about the presence of fans at all? Can the cheering or booing actually influence the outcome of the game? Sure, that can be taken into account, but I think we can all agree that the risk of gathering 80,000 fans in one location during this pandemic far outweighs the Kansas City Chiefs' chances of winning another Super Bowl. Bear down, 5-1. While we continue to wait for the vaccine, if it is even coming, the best we can do is continue to root, holler, boo, or cheer while the millionaires on the field try their best to entertain us. As Maximus said, Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? At least we all have some sense of sports at all. And now, my favorite things. Derek Duvall's favorite things. What are my favorite things? Well, for episode three, let's start with something so silly that we can all get a chuckle. I have a thing for a hilarious movie that kind of has evolved into a, a kind of cult classic, and that is the 1996 military comedy, Down Periscope. Now, everyone knows I am a Kelsey Grammer fan. I make no secret of that. But take that out of the equation, and what you have is a crazy Navy submarine movie. It's hilarious, it's mostly well-written, and it has more character actors than you can shake a stick at. Even the great Lauren Holly shines here, and we haven't seen much of her in the last couple of years. It's just a fun film, one that I am shocked has never even been released on Blu-ray. 
but holding out hope for a digital release as it's a 20th Century Fox property, and we all know that is now owned by the Mouse House. I challenge you to see if you can find it either on DVD or maybe online. I haven't had a chance to look. That brings me to what has my musical taste buds peaked at the moment? Well, folks, right now the tracks that have been getting me excited come from one of my all-time favorite bands, the great prog rock band Marillion. Now, there are two Marillions in my eyes, the Fish era and the Hogarth era. Now, my love, because I grew up in it, will always be with the Fish era, but I do respect what the band did post-Fish's departure. Right now, though, the absolute classic album, Misplaced Childhood, has been on repeat a lot lately, and damn it, when I say the album is perfect, you can take that as gospel. The first half is a 25-minute sonic delight, and the final half of the album is just pure absolute brilliance. I challenge all of Derek Duvall's listeners to seek out the album, either on Spotify or wherever you find your tunes, and give it a listen. I guarantee you, you will seek out the rest of the band's catalog. It is that good. People have been asking me the last few days, Derek, with all the horrible things going on in the world, is there anything that has you excited? I reply, yeah, a new iPhone is coming, and a, new, and a few days ago, something awesome was announced. It is important to recognize your strengths and weaknesses, so to talk about it more, I am going to fire a flare in the air and summon the cavalry with an expert with boots on the ground. Derek Duvall's host of Friends. Planet Earth, I am pleased to welcome to the Derek Duvall Show for the very first time, Russ from the podcast Infectious Groove. Good afternoon, sir. How is COVID treating you these days? Uh, not too bad. Not any worse than anyone else. It seems like any time that I even think about having a complaint cross my mind, I come across a story either uh, near or far or of someone who is much worse off than me. So, you know, just uh, just getting by. We uh, the, the state here in Michigan continues to open up pretty well. Uh, we haven't had any setbacks or anything like I just heard about what happened in Chicago this morning where they got set back some. So uh, in short, getting by, getting by. Outstanding, outstanding. So we discussed uh, yesterday some news that was pretty exciting to me. I'm pretty sure it's exciting to the rest of the music world. Uh, the new Paul McCartney album. Let's go. What do you think about that? I'm looking forward to it. I His solo work has been uh iffy in the eyes of fans off and on and the one that he just announced yesterday i mean it's his 18th solo record and he had some real real strong success right, coming right out of the beatles with a lot of strong material but especially uh, like mid 90s up until even the last record he released a couple of years ago the reception has been pretty iffy but the the buzz on this record just since he's announced it has been really strong I think one of the things that interests me the most about Paul McCartney, it's it, it's like living in the time of Beethoven or Mozart. You're, you're talking about one of the greatest, if not the greatest songwriter of the last hundred years. Sure. You know, it's like if, if Mozart or Beethoven was alive today, they'd still be putting out records. Who knows, you know? So it's kind of like, you know, when you have the opportunity to listen to someone, of course, you know, everybody knows there is the Beatles version of him. You've got the Wings side, and now you have the solo prolific career. Uh I think it's very interesting to me that people are still wanting to listen to an 80 year old musician. You know, does he still stay relevant? You know, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think that that's a worry for some musicians when they do age. And I think that some musicians maybe try a little hard to lean into it to make an effort to be relevant. And then they end up making themselves uh, irrelevant. And the, like I say, the, the reception to the last several uh, solo Paul McCartney records have been uh, tepid at best. And I think one of the big things that changed about this one is that uh, Paul's been very upfront about the fact that he wasn't planning on making a record. And the reason why he's calling this one McCartney 3 is it's just like McCartney 1 in 70 and McCartney 2 in, se in 1980, rather, where he wrote, produced, and played every instrument on the record. But this one came out of the lockdown necessity where he wasn't planning on doing this at all and because like all of us he was stuck at home he just said okay well let me put my time to good use and i think that that will lend itself well more of the off the cuff feeling of it 
I think will lend itself well more to the record being relevant than maybe spending years listening to producers and other musicians and possibly songwriting partners who say, oh, well, this is what you, this is what you have to do. There, there are musicians that have kind of evolved over the years, like they started off in one genre and they've kind of had to uh, reinvent their act several times over the process of their career. Uh, Depeche Mode comes to mind, Lindsey Buckingham comes to mind. But to see Paul, I mean, right out of the Beatles, you then to go into probably one of the greatest mega groups of the 70s was Wings. Obviously, I think Wings, personally, I like Wings better than any of Paul's solo career. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to hearing a, a new McCartney album and see what he's done to evolve. Yeah, we're going to get a quick turnaround on it, too. I mean, this was just announced this week, and we're about four weeks away. It's due on December 11th, so we're going to turn around real quick and get the record. And I think that helps, too. I think we find a lot of the immediacy of music these days causes the uh, buildup and uh, inherent letdown to not be a factor anymore so i think that with this being announced out of nowhere and having this buzz and enough buzz to pull it for the next couple of weeks until the actual material hits i think that he's going to benefit from that have you despite any chance have you seen paul live i have not i the beatles are one of the only acts literally that i can think of that i haven't seen well obviously i mean they quit touring in the late 60s i didn't see them uh, as a foursome and unfortunately the beatles are the only act i can think of where i haven't seen at least one member of the group live but i have many friends who've seen paul shoot I, in excess of 10 times and they say he's just dynamite every time his shows are incredible i mean there, there aren't words to describe it i've seen paul four times uh, and i've traveled once to actually see him like left my state to see him one of the really cool memories I have was it was on my birthday. He played the song. It just happened to be he played the Beatles song birthday on my birthday. I just, oh, I that's like, great. It was like, you know, thank you. Thank you, Sir Paul. That just made my day, you know, so. <laughs> right. And I can we assume that he dedicated it to you personally? Oh, yes, absolutely. I have this video to prove it, too. So Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, I'm really excited. Like I said, I, I think Paul definitely for me was the strongest member of the, of the foursome. But uh, yeah, I, let's bring it on, man. A new McCartney album. Yeah, yeah, I'll take it. And uh, we we actually just did very recently a uh, episode dedicated entirely to the the Beatles. We didn't we didn't try even to make a remote stab at covering everything because that would be a whole series, not one episode. We were just talking about the Beatles in general, and that topic came up of which is your favorite Beatle or what the public might view as the best Beatle, and we ran a uh, Twitter poll as well. And I was really surprised that uh, uh, George Harrison came in first, who happens to be my favorite Beatle mm. for a number of reasons. But um, I was surprised. I was quite surprised that Paul came in second, Ringo came in third, and John of all people came in fourth. And that, we're talking thousands of votes. So wow. I was, yeah, I was quite surprised. I, I, I loved I love George's uh, when he went experimental into into Indian music. I thought it was mm -hmm. really really powerful stuff. I have many um, I have many songs on my computer that I do enjoy listening to. Mm. George was George was a very special very special individual mm -hmm. for sure. My uh, my question to you is like do you do you feel that the Beatles truly are probably if not the most influential music music act of all time? Yeah, I think for me and I I. I don't think you can downplay the Beatles, but I'm still going to say that I'm not trying to downplay anything about the Beatles when I say this, but I think that their time span that they were actually together and the output that they had in that time really plays into it. I mean, you have to think that this band was together from roughly 62 to 69, 70, depending on whose story you listen to. And in that time, they put together... Literally, I mean, timeless classics that are just a part of folklore now and will continue to build. Like when you make the comparison to, to, to Beethoven and so on, I have no doubt in my mind that 100 years from now, people will still know of at least a couple of Beatles songs, you know, Hey Jude and, and whatnot, something, something along those lines, Let It Be, perhaps. And so for me, if the Beatles had done what they did over a 30 or 40 year period, uh, I don't think we would look at them in the same way. But the fact that they put out just such high quality material and so much of it in such a short period of time, I think 
all of that together makes them easily the most influential band in the history of music. I think it's also one of those periods of it. It was the right time at the right moment that they came along. I mean, you've got Buddy Holly, you had Little Richard, and then you've got the Beatles. And then after that, at the same time, you've got the Stones, you've got the Who. I mean, and then, of course, in my humble opinion, the second greatest band of all time, which was Led Zeppelin, came along in the, late, in the uh, early 70s. So, I mean, you, you just talking about in that period of time, the 60s and 70s, the output of incredible, incredible music. It was just a great time. It was a great time to be alive. Yeah. And if you look at the thing with the Beatles is, yes, they were around for a relatively short period of time, but they also had that high, high output of extremely high quality material during their time. When you look at other bands that were in the right place at the right time, say, uh, like a Blondie leading the new wave movement or Guns N' Roses leading, you know, the the, uh, the uh, 80s sunset uh, hair metal movement, uh, Nirvana, of course, leading the grunge movement. When you look at any number of those acts, they all really flamed out in a really short period of time. And furthermore, didn't put out anywhere near the massive influential catalog that the Beatles were able able to. So I, I wish that more acts would follow that route. Like, you know, it's clear that as soon as halfway through the Beatles tenure, they all couldn't stand each other and nobody wanted to tour anymore and so on. But they funneled that into creativity, which is something I think we started to miss about a decade after the Beatles broke up, where you just had any new act that came up. If they weren't getting along if they had a difference of opinion if this lawyer was saying this or this manager was saying that they would they would just call it a day and we were really robbed of a lot more material that we could have got and at least the beatles were able to to keep together from a studio standpoint as competitive as things may have gotten they were still able to find a way to put the material together and get it out and i wish more bands would have done that and i think led zeppelin probably would have continued to be as prolific as they were had uh, John Bonham not met his early demise. I really do think that there was at least another 10 years probably of, of Led Zeppelin powering through the eighties. I mean, who's to say what would have happened sound wise with Led Zeppelin, but, uh, I think that they maybe were, would have been able to, to pull off keeping, keeping it up. But unfortunately kind of at the start of the eighties, we, we went into this movement where nobody continued to try to put anything out. It was just as soon as the conflict happened, they would flame out. I'm going to touch on one more thing before we move on. Uh, a lot of people I know who are massive Beatles fans would just jump back to the Beatles real quick. Some of them would have loved to have seen what the four would have done with Paul McCartney's band on the run. If of course the Beatles had still been together and that album had gotten created. I, I just, I, I can't even imagine what it would have been like to have, John and and all them singing band, band on the Run or Jet or you know it just it just feels like we just got robbed of something amazing even though Band on the Run I consider one of the greatest albums of all time. I'll tell you you know who does a fantastic cover of that song who? if you I don't know if you've heard it the Foo Fighters. No kidding. If you haven't heard it look I'm sure it's on YouTube it's probably even on Spotify or whatever just uh go you can Google Foo Fighters band on the run and they did a studio cover of it that is fantastic. I will we'll find it we'll post it on our uh, Twitter feed. Thank you very much there. All right, real quick, I heard you had some really good news with uh, blabbermouth.net. What's going on with that? Yeah, so we through the miracle of social media got hooked up with Steve Gorman who uh if anybody is a Black Crows fan then you already know that name if you're not a Black Crows fan, Steve Gorman was basically uh, the 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 third leg of the table when it comes to the Black Crows. When most people think of that band, they think of Chris and Rich Robinson and all of their problems. But Steve Gorman was the guy who, right from the very beginning, when before you know playing in in parents' basements, before even being a bar band, he was the guy that was always in the Crows. So it was always Steve Gorman on the drums and Rich and Chris up front. And then they went through a multitude of lineup changes starting from the first record on. Uh, but Steve was always the guy that was was there from the very beginning. And he's kind of a voice of reason or a referee, if you will. Uh, it would be different than if you read an account from Chris or Rich, which is going to be slanted very heavily against the other. Steve Gorman has a book out called Hard to Handle the Life and Death of the Black Crows. And it's his in the middle perspective of everything that happened with the group 
And we, through again, through the miracle of social media, got hooked up with Steve. He agreed to come on the show, which was, you know, for an indie podcast is great. He doesn't, you know, he, he's on all the big media sites and uh, shows. And he agreed to come on and we talked to him for a little bit. And he, he to say that Steve held no punches back would be an understatement. He <laughs> did not have any problem saying, uh, he, without even being led down the path of, hey, let me get this sensational quote. You know, he uh, very much spoke his mind. And during the course of the interview, he ended up at one point saying that he knows for a fact him and Chris Robinson will never be in the same room together again. And then he went into great detail uh, as to his opinion on why Chris Robinson is such a terrible person. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and uh, Blabbermouth, of course, it being a music news site and looking for headlines and clicks and whatnot, uh, grabbed our interview and they did us a real solid. They put, they didn't just say, Oh, Steve Gorman appeared on the show and here's what he said and put it in print. They put links to our podcast and embedded the episode in their article on top of that. And it just, it just went wild from there. And we're doing our best to leverage that going forward. You know, we're, I mean, anytime success happens, you don't want to just change everything and say, okay, well, how do we keep people? You know, we're, we're trying to, trying to keep things the way that they were and also retain uh, some new listeners. So it's, it's been great for us. That's fantastic. That's, I mean, that's basically a, a podcaster's dream summed yeah. up. Yes. Yeah, summed up in one event. So yes. Uh, let me put it this way. I, I opened our app as I'm sure every podcast host who's listening to this knows. And I opened our app to look at our numbers, you know, and, and didn't know that the story had ran. And I sent a screenshot to my two co-hosts and I said, Oh, well, obviously our, our providers having issues because this number can't be right. <laughs> and then a friend of mine, 10 minutes later, sent me a link, uh, texted me a link to the blabbermouth story and said, uh, Oh, holy crap. Did you see you guys are on blabbermouth? And I was like, Oh, wait a minute, maybe this number is right. And then I reopened the app and it was like double where it was before. Oh wow. You know, 10 minutes before and whatever. So yeah, you, when you say it's a podcaster's dream, yeah, that's it was, I mean, we were opening the app every five minutes and seeing two, three, four thousand more listens. It was incredible. That's that is amazing. I, I I'm really really happy for you guys. That's that's brilliant. Yeah, thanks, man. All right. Well, thanks for taking the time to stop by. Go ahead and tell my listeners how they can find your show and tell us about any upcoming shows that they just cannot miss. Absolutely. We actually have three real good cannot miss episodes coming up, but where you can find us first is uh, like any podcast on any major platform that you listen to podcasts. If you just search for infectious groove podcast, we will come up. Uh, we got a shiny new pink logo with the th cartoonish looking three of us on it uh, on the cover art. So it's easy to find. If you want to connect with us on social media, we post a ton of pictures on Instagram at infectious groove pod. Uh, we're always posting rare albums and uh, just all music related stuff that we happen to be uh, afforded in our lives, which we want to share with everybody else. So you, Instagram is infectious groove pod. You can find us on Facebook at the same thing, infectious groove pod. And then the only one that's different is you can follow us on Twitter at infectious underscore pod and the three episodes. And I'll nutshell this real quick that we have coming up this tomorrow. Actually, we're recording a new episode that will be out uh, this coming Monday with the directors of a fantastic new documentary called Vinyl Nation. And they approached us and asked if we wanted to have them on. And I said, you know, would you guys like to do an interview? And they said, oh, no, we want to do the whole episode with you. So that's going to be a lot of fun to get their perspective on how we do our show normally and interview them about their great doc. The week after that, we have quite a barn burner. I had the luxury of last night actually speaking with Taj Jackson, who is the son of Tito Jackson. Oh, wow. And of course, yeah, that, that of course makes him the nephew of the King of Pop, Michael Jackson. And Taj and I talked freely and without any boundaries for a solid hour. Uh, and that episode will be coming out on November 2nd, Monday, November 2nd. And then the week after that, we have yet another interview that's already in the can with a, an artist who is an Americana artist. Uh, a member of the band, The Lone Bellow, who has a side project now that couldn't be any more different than Americana. And it's really interesting to talk to an artist like that who's 
you know, really known. It would basically be like if the the Mumford and Sons came out of their first album and then the second album was Electronica. That's kind of what you're looking at. So yeah, we've got some real barn burners coming up that I think people will really be interested in hearing. And we release our episodes every single Monday, 5 a.m. Eastern. So anybody who does go to find us, if you subscribe to the show, you'll get that uh, before you're even out of the house for work on Monday morning. I got a quick question. I just thought of real fast. If you, yeah, sure. who is your who is your bucket list? Who is, who's your bucket list guest that you just wish you could have? So I'm not kidding. We were asked this question about a week before the Steve Gorman thing happened. And Steve Gorman was number one on my list because I'm a massive, massive, massive Black Crows fan. And he has the book out. And I just thought, man, how it will never happen. But how cool would it be to talk to Steve Gorman and get down to the nitty gritty of the Black Crows? And that happened. So the other two that I would, cause I'm always asked, what's your top three. The other two couldn't be more different from each other or from Steve Gorman. But uh, my number two for me, and I say this with zero irony is Kelly Clarkson because uh, she, all that she's gone through with the music industry since she started and how she started um, and the things that she's gone through, I think a lot of people would be interested to hear. And then the last one, and I learned to say never say never with the Steve Gorman interview, but my, my other one, because I'm a, an enormous Pink Floyd fan, I would love to get Roger Waters on the show to talk to him about anything that crosses his mind. Uh, so with no set agenda whatsoever, I would love to just talk to Roger Waters about whatever he wants to speak about. All right. Well, thank you so much for stopping by. This has been fantastic. Um, I look forward to hopefully having you again soon. Yeah, right on. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, available quite a bit and uh, more than happy to talk about whatever I do. The only thing is we get a lot of requests. People say, hey, do you want to come on my show and talk about this, that, and the other thing? And I, and I always think, well, I'm not really an expert on anything except for music. <laughs> so, you know, so I don't know why you want to have me on. So as soon as you yesterday when you contacted me and said, you know, do you want to come on and talk a little bit about music? Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, sir, for stopping by. And we will take a break. and We'll be right back after these excellent messages. Your mom uh, had an accident. I'll uh, take you to her. Uh oh. Look, Wild Bill. Who was that? Some stranger. He said Donnie's mom was hurt. I didn't know if I should go with him. Well, just don't do what a stranger says. Check it out with an adult you know. Remember, a stranger can mean danger. Now I know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Looking for a new podcast? Check out the Infectious Groove podcast. My name is Russ, and I host the show along with Michelle and Kyle. Every Monday, the three of us bring you music news and tell you our jammy jams, so you'll always have new music to check out. The Infectious Groove podcast discusses music from nearly every decade and genre while openly displaying our passion for music you need to hear. On top of that, we have a thought-provoking main topic of discussion every week to get you thinking, discussing, and sharing music. We also include interviews with the music stars of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms. Subscribe and listen to the Infectious Groove podcast on your favorite podcast platform today. Well, that's that. I think my job interview went pretty well. That's awesome. What do you think was the hardest part? Probably selling myself like I'm the cure for some stupid disease. Did you remember to send a thank you card to the recruiter? A thank you card? I have no idea what to even put, let alone where to get a pretty decent looking card. Man, what am I going to do? Relax. Go to the Crafted Rose, frippery for all occasions. There you will find a plethora of excellent cards to choose from. Wow. Hitting the website up now. My partner will love the custom wreaths, and I could totally use a new notebook. Thanks for showing me the missing link in my life. You're welcome. Now get that thank you card ordered and in the mail. The Crafted Rose, frippery for all occasions. Find the shop on www.fripperybyrose.com. Hey everyone, I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and we do a podcast about life, love, and hot topics. We're family friendly. Yeah, well, mostly. And you can catch us every week. So subscribe to the Chris and Christine show on your favorite streaming service. And buckle up, Buttercup, because you're in for some fun. Some fun? Oh yeah, that sounds fantastic.
Welcome back to the Derek Duvall Show. We are overjoyed to be joined today by two special guests, the hosts of the Chris and Christine Show. How are you guys? Hey, hey, Derek. How you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm excellent. We're excited to be here with you. Thanks so much for inviting Thank us. Thank you so much for inviting us on this platform. It's amazing. This whole podcasting is awesome. You are my third guests. Wow, so, fantastic. Yeah. Lucky number three. Yeah. There's two of us, so... Well, when well, there's you, three when it's all three of us together. Well, when this right. becomes a million-dollar podcast, people will go back into the archives and they'll say, oh, wow, these guys were really cool. And then, you know, it just happens, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. I asked my guest the first question, how are you two currently dealing with the COVID-19 crisis? What is this COVID-19 you speak of? Is it something that we should be you know, looking out for? <laughs> I thought it's Corona-19. A Corona-19, you make it sound like a beer. I, um, say, yeah, I, I don't want a Corona-19, that sounds bad. <laughs> Do you want your Corona-19 with lime, or how do you take your Corona-19? <laughs> so I'll just speak for myself. So Chris and I have had a really unique set of circumstances where we've been significantly impacted by COVID. Um, first of all, I got really sick in April, and the doctors thought I had COVID. But then on top of COVID and all of the dynamics with the shelter-in-place guidelines. We've had two home floods and a canceled and rescheduled wedding all in the midst of it. It's just a, a bucket of fun. Right. And we took a road trip, too, went out of town. And that was fun, too. Although, when you get to some places, and a lot of places are closed, like the uh, rest, in, stops. <laughs> rest, rest stops, indoor dining, you know, places like that. But COVID, for me, since I am an essential worker, so to speak, I am a uh, truck driver. I drive gasoline locally. Um, it did slow down a little bit towards the beginning of the pandemic uh, work-wise, but it's kind of picked up a little bit. There's more cars back on the road. Uh, it's not quite full potential like it was like last year, but we are staying busy. So I'm working every day. Christine's in the house every day, and I get so jealous that I, she's at home on her computer in the office, and I got to leave and go to work. He makes it sound like I'm not doing anything. I'm working well, full-time remotely because I work with school districts and, of course, kids are not in school. They're remote learning. I saw something very interesting the other day that, and just go back to your comment about more cars on the road, that um, pollution has started to slowly climb back up again now that most people are not sheltering in place anymore. I thought that to be very interesting. Do you guys notice that in San Diego that much or is that more of an LA thing? Probably more of an LA thing. I mean, they are, there's pollution everywhere. If anywhere there's cars, I would say there's pollution. But, you know, I haven't heard that stat and I haven't really paid attention much to that. But I think that it's possibly because it's been kind of overshadowed by the tremendous amount of wildfires we've had in the area, oh, yes. which has mixed with the air quality. And so right now, I don't know if people can really kind of differentiate between what was smog versus what was wildfire. Fortunately, the wildfires in our area are now 100% contained. But oh, they are? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. They announced it yesterday, so that was exciting. I know up north, they're just, I've seen some pictures from up north that just, they're just horrible, just absolutely grotesque to, to, to gaze upon. Yeah, my parents own property just um, in the midst of where the creek fire up in the, um, it's just outside of Yosemite area was raging. And fortunately for them, the fire stopped. Well, it didn't come closer than a half a mile from them. Mm -hmm. So they're really thankful for that. That's but crazy. it incinerated so many, so yeah, the, many miles. Yeah, and our house happens to be luckily in the heart of the city. So it, wildfires aren't really a thing for mm -hmm. us per se, because we're so like just, in the middle of the city, I guess. I guess. What are you doing, Christy? Christine's over there eating her microphone. No, it's okay. I don't think that Chris mentioned in the midst of all of this with our most recent home flood, we're actually living in a hotel. Yeah, he, he did a... mention to me that privately, yes. <laughs> yes, yeah. we are living in a hotel. Um, it's actually more like a resort. But the problem is that the resort has got all the amenities are closed. Like the big oh. giant pool is closed, the jacuzzi is closed, the big like bar they have, this whole like bar section, hotel, like lounge bar, closed. The maid service only comes once a week. It's, whole, it's whole horrible. Do you guys remember growing up watching The Price is Right? I love it. I was on The Price is Right. Oh, I was too, but I only in the audience. Only in the audience. So was I. I was the audience too. <laughs> Do you remember the sound the show made when someone got the price wrong? The game ended. Yes. That's what oh, I feel yeah. like you guys should have as your ringtones right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. We might. That perfectly enca encapsulates what your guys have been doing with this last couple of months. So, 
I know we're just living. Hopefully soon everything will be getting together. Like it's good news today. We just finally closed escrow on the refinancing of my house, which has taken the longest. This like I should give them a congratulations for being the longest refinancing job in history. It's we started the process back in I think June. Uh, was it June, Christine, or before, earlier than that? Oh, it might have even been before that. It's been a long. And here time. we are into late September, and we're just now signing the closing documents. But uh, but no. Um, um, and the funny thing is we're only saving like what a hundred maybe two hundred dollars off our mortgage so it's not like a big chunk of change we're saving but, but, it's it, it, adds the... up, but it adds up in the in the long run exactly so at one point i was like saying screw this we're gonna cancel it we're done i'm not even want to do this mortgage thing i don't want to i just want to keep what we have and, and call it a day because it was taking so long it was it, this problem and that problem and all this other stuff actually didn't buy it together and yet no we didn't even refinance it together so we made an agreement that until we say i do we're gonna keep it separate and we're seven weeks away from the wedding so you keep all our fine like she has her own car her own car payment it's all on her i got mine it's all on me I bought the house before I met Christine, so um, it was all by myself, and so everything's just, I take care of that, and, and Christine helps out financially with things, so it's not like it's, you know. So my, my question for is, if you read your Twitter bio, you know, you're the dynamic duo who have found love after divorce. I mean, I, I assume both of you had to go through, uh, obviously, trial by fire to find each other. Can you tell a bit, a little bit how you guys met and uh, what you guys went through? Well, yeah, sure. You okay, you take us over, Christine. Um, well, I don't know. Which version of the story are you going to tell, Chris? Uh, the, the awesome version. The of one course. that makes me look desperate? No. <laughs> the truth. The truth. So, Derek, we met on Match.com. And um, actually, this was my second stint on Match.com. But I met Chris um, after I, like, said no to dating for like five months I was just working on myself and then I decided to get back on match and we connected about two weeks into my three-month subscription but it was a little different for Chris right well I was on match.com for a while I was dating a while you know I was getting my uh, groove on as you say and um so I was on it and just like what you were saying earlier off off uh, recording here we we're talking about the satellite radio how if you go tell them you're going to cancel they'll throw you a bone like a discount Match.com would do the same thing, exactly the same thing. So I knew when you log in to cancel, they'll say, hey, 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 hold on a second. Before you cancel, how about we throw you another three months for, say, I don't know, 80% off. <laughs> and I say, okay, what the hell? <laughs> you know, so, so I would do it, and then I, I kept I kept saying, this is the time I'm really going to cancel and be done with it because it wasn't working out or I meet these people, it didn't work out or whatever. And then right before I was going to cancel it this last time, Christine actually sent me a message and said, hey, how you doing? And I said, who's that's, this chick? That's a story he <laughs> likes to tell Derek. But the truth is he'd been checking out my profile for a couple of days because on the paid account, you can see when somebody's peeping at you. And mm -hmm. so I saw he'd look at my profile, though I'd go look at his. See? He'd look at mine again. Mm -hmm. I'd look at his. And when I got back on online dating, I was like, I am not going to make the first move. I'm going to let the guy pursue me. And then after four times, I was like, okay, so looking at his profile now four times, it seems like we have a lot in common. I better message this guy. Maybe he's not paying for his account because if you don't have a paid account, you can't read your messages. Oh, and wow. so I was like, well, I better message him. Maybe he's not paying for it. So I better find out now. And then I messaged him like, hey, looks like we have a lot in common. Would be nice to chat with you. And then I was thinking, oh, I'm never going to hear back from him. And then within like an hour or two, I heard back from him. But he was actually very different than any other guy that I saw on Match.com because he was super upfront in his profile. And he's like, I'm a single dad raising two boys full time. I'm looking for another single parent that understands the struggles of being a single parent. Mm -hmm. I bought my own house in San Diego and I'm independent. So I'm looking for somebody similar to that. And I, I that's not something you see very often on profiles. It's normally like I'm looking for my Disney fairy tale or whatever, you know, just random stuff. Oh, the yeah. shirtless selfie in the gym. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Those are so ridiculous. I, I admire you guys. I know people personally who have fallen in love and gotten married through Match.com. And I, I support it 100 percent. I think that's a beautiful story you guys have told. Well, thank you. Appreciate Thanks, that. And, and then the podcast popped up a little while after that. Yeah, that about was, a, a year into our relationship. That's my next question. It's like, at what point did you sit on the couch, look at each other and say, you know, we should do a podcast. You know, it's funny how it all started. Can I tell you how it started, Christine? Yes. Okay, I'll tell you how it started. So, I've always wanted to do a podcast forever. 
but I never had the courage to do it. And I never knew the technical, like how to's, how to really do it. You know, like I got to buy all this stuff. I got, you know, like I didn't want to invest all this money to find out if it didn't really want to work out or wasn't really for me. So what, what, what happened was, is that my son, uh, who's 10 now, I think he'd been nine at the time, he had an Xbox and he wanted to play the Fortnite game with all his friends. And all his friends have these like headsets that plug into the um, controller so they all can chat with each other while they're playing the game. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I ordered him one on Amazon, one of those just generic headsets for your Xbox or whatever. But there was an adapter that came with it that you can plug it in to your computer. So I get the thing and I plug it into my computer and I start playing with it. I start playing radio with it, just pretending to play around with it. I'm like, you know what? I think I might be able to make a podcast with this stupid thing. But then I'm like thinking, um, I don't want to do a podcast by myself. And there's only literally only one like microphone plug on this computer to do it that way. Otherwise you have to go USB. So I'm thinking like just researching it. These things are only like the headset was probably $15. So it wasn't very much. So I'm thinking for maybe 15, 20, maybe a $40 investment, Christine and I could play podcasts and see if we even like it. Mm. And then I, I ran the idea by her like, Hey, um, do you want to do this? Well, no, it's a little bit different than that. He says to me, it, it was very like trying to get me to bite on the line. He was like, so, you know, I've been thinking about doing a podcast, but you know, if I do it by myself, there's nobody to like banter back and forth with. And I really think that I need a co-host. And I was like, Oh, really? Well, who are you thinking of? And he's like, well, I was kind of thinking of you. And I was like, um, and I'm thinking in my mind, like I'm in my doctorate. I'm, I'm earning my doctorate right now. I run a business. I work full time. I travel back and forth with my son. Do I really have time? But then he really, really wanted to do it. And I was like, you know what? To me, it's really important that I invest in his hobbies and his interests because I think that like helps a relationship to grow is when you take a genuine interest in the hobbies of your partner. And so ladies, if you're listening, pay strict attention to what Christine is saying right now. That is, that's <laughs> outstanding work. Keep going, keep going. Say more things like that. <laughs> so I was like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll give it a shot and decided to, to do it with him. But from the get go, even though I, it's always been like the Chris and Christine show, Chris has been the lead behind figuring out all of the technical stuff. And I just really work hard to put on a good attitude, even when I'm tired to show up for him and to keep running this podcast because it's something that's super important to him. And it's kind of like relationship therapy for us. <laughs> right, it is. And may, many ways than just one. The intro, the startup, the, hey, stop, let's do it again. Cut that. Okay, we, did you really say that? Stop, rewind, let's release that, let's do it over. A lot of that stuff. But in early days to our podcast, like literally, I literally had no idea how to even do a podcast. I didn't know nothing about editing software. I knew nothing about uh, microphones to use or how to even use them. So I went down to Amazon the old Amazon shop, and I looked up, what is the cheapest USB microphones that I can pick up for like 20 bucks? Mm -hmm. I bought two of them, and extra cords and headphones and all that. But the one thing that really threw us off in the early, early days is that we didn't realize this until it happened, was that when you plug a USB microphone into the computer, well, a couple of things. One, when you plug a USB microphone into the computer, and you plug two of them into the computer, the computer's like, uh, which one are we using? This one or that one? Because mm -hmm. they're not gonna try to use both at the same time. You have to trick the computer to reuse both. Once you figure out how to trick the computer, then you we were listening through headphones back. But the problem is with the <laughs> USB was that it had a huge major delay in latency in the sound. You would mm -hmm. say something and it would go back to your ears like a half a second later and you would shout like Oh my gosh, we sound yeah. drunk. Yeah, we just <laughs> <laughs> we start slurring our words or delaying our words because you're trying to catch up to what you hear in your ears to what you're saying and it's it is just the, the struggle the struggle truly is real when it comes to that. I and I empathize 100%. Yeah, and I think that's the same thing that like music artists face. Like you'll see them pull out their in-ear monitors mm -hmm. when they're on stage, and it's that same thing. It's that uh, half a second or second delay, and it's like you've already moved on, but you're then you're 
brain is trying to wait to hear that sound and it slows you down. And so I remember there's had, a, I remember there's a documentary Michael Jackson did, um, but he was getting ready to go on tour before he passed away. And he was talking about those in-ear microphones. He had never used them before. Uh, so in-ear headsets, he'd never used them before. And he refused to do it. He's like, I, I just can't do it. And right. I, I remember that very well. It's also why probably a lot of podcasters, especially newer ones, they don't use headphones at all. They just pop the microphone on the table and start talking. But it is a good idea, and at least one person in the group to have them on, is so that you can notice, oh, wait a second, there's a clicking sound I mm -hmm. hear that's being picked up. Or your audio, your, your echo, you're not next to the microphone. Can you please move closer? I can't quite hear you. It's, it's good to kind of hear it in real time. And that's what I read about. So that's what we did. But that I didn't realize the uh, the latency was so bad that it was so it was causing such a major delay. So we'd have guests in here. We had my sister in here one time, and we had her. We threw her around headphones with the major latency, and she sounded like she had a disability or something because she was it was so bad. You know, she was like ah, uh, mm -hmm. and it, it's the delay. But now we actually have an interface with zero latency, so everything is uh, sharp and crisp, and it sounds so much better. It was like a a game changer when we upgraded to that equipment right around the twentieth episode. Do you have you ever done like face to face like Zoom or anything like Zoom recording? Or is it all done through clean feed? Most of our stuff's been done through clean interview wise, it's been all done through clean feed. Although we did try we did do a Zoom audio only once or twice and we did a Google Voice once or twice phone call. Mm -hmm. But it's all been audio related. Never Zoom face to face type stuff. I did find out though that you can run clean feed and Zoom at the same time. Ooh. So heads yeah. up with that. But you have to mute the zoom mm -hmm. but i have been interviewed by several other podcasts and they've used zoom to interview me so we know how to set up for that mm -hmm. for an interview it's just with the two of us it doesn't work well for our format because right. when we are doing our podcast we like to face each other and right. that means that chris's back is to the so camera if, yeah if you, if you were looking at the camera right now you see back of my head that's mm -hmm. all you would see <laughs> So have you ever done one in person? Have you ever had brought someone into your, you know, where you go and, and do an interview that well, way? Yeah, or we, have, we had my mom, my, we, had, we had family come in for uh, last year. They mm -hmm. came in here, but uh, we actually just recently went in person. Oh, yeah, we were interviewed by, it's called the 10 Steps Further podcast, and that uh, episode came out mid-September, and uh, we were interviewed on that show in person and it was a nice setup with um, like boom arms and mics, but mm. none of us were wearing headphones. And so, um, yeah, the the sound varied a little bit from person to person. Thankfully, Chris and I are experienced in podcasting, so we could kind of keep our our levels consistent. Even though we couldn't see him or right. hear, we couldn't see the levels or we couldn't hear the levels. We just knew how close to a microphone you had to be and how you know how to, how to use it. Because I've heard their podcast and they. Because they don't do it that way, you can t you can hear the host sound bright and clear, but the guests are like, So my question is, like you said, that you've you've experience in podcasting, you've been doing this now for quite a while. My question is to you: How did the first recording go? Well, it, it was very nervous. I was extremely nervous, and I was using those headphones, like I was saying earlier, that had that major delay. So you take me very nervous with this huge delay in my ears, trying to like wing it and christine refused to wear headphones so she just did it in like old natural style and so she was a little quicker you made I, me sound like such a mean person christine refused no well, you did and then you finally got you on board but so it was very nervous and we kind of just like got went into it and, and it's okay i mean the audio wasn't as great as it is now obviously right and at the time our format we didn't really like chris mentioned we didn't know what we were going to do for podcasting so we decided to focus on hot topics mm -hmm. and our title of that episode one is called beef and bitmojis and so we were debating about uh burger king bringing out the impossible whopper and the, like, the vegetarian burger yeah oh wow but okay. it was like the impossible burger that actually like when you bite into it, it gives red juice like it's oh, actually meat. And then uh, we were talking about, so it's beef and bitmojis. And the other one was about millennials using bitmojis and different types of features on their resumes. And we had a, a little debate about that. It was fun 
to be able to engage together and to release it. And I just remember like it was so fun to put it out to the world thinking that maybe our parents would listen to it. And that <laughs> right. was our hope. And, and at the time, too, we were, we were, uh, were hosting it was with uh, SoundCloud and they had a first three hours were mm-hmm. free. You could upload. So I figured three hours that maybe a 30 minute podcast will probably upload six episodes and call it a day, mm-hmm. you know, just for fun. You know, didn't think nothing of it. I remember the very first time we did my old podcast that we were a part of and it was the five of us in a room. It was a pink room. We call it the Victoria's secrets room at my, at my best friend's house. And we had these really cheap looking microphones and they were gold. I remember these specific, wow. they were gold. And then we were like, this is going to be terrible. And with the survivors, and the first film we did was The Godfather. And we finally get done, and it's recorded, it's saved, it comes to me. And it is hands down, it sounded like World War II radio chatter. <laughs> Why was it, that? Just you could so hear, far apart? It was, there was no pop mic, you could hear every breath, every snort, every... Me being the person that I am, edited it all together like a professional podcast and put it out into the world... And we lost, I'd say, about 80% of our audience right out the gate. So about two weeks later, me and another and another person who was on the podcast were sitting at a brewery, having a few beers, and we're like, you know what we should do? And he, and he says, what? I said, we should really just take that episode down, pretend it doesn't exist. And he says, Derek, that's the, <laughs> best, that's the best idea I've ever had in my life. I was like, all right, so... <laughs> We took it down, and I'm the only one in the world that has a copy of it. Well, they say, well, I've heard another trick to do is when you're starting a podcast is just to record a good five or ten, like record them before you release them, just to kind of like practice episodes, I guess, to kind of get your feet wet in the podcasting space so that. But I think just jump in, just go in for it, just go for it, and then because you're going to get better as you go along, you know? I remember the second episode was Nine Day. We actually invested in professional microphones and pop filters and a proper recording equipment. And and we, I remember it was just night and day from episode one and we slowly got our audience back. I mean, we heard everything from, you guys suck. We can't believe you subjected us to this. I've heard better conversations in porn. You guys are terrible. And that was just our family. God knows what the, oh, wow. God, God knows what the internet was saying about us, you know? So oh, wow. That's so, rough. But yeah, so um, that's the thing about it. Like, you know, the challenge of podcasts, you know, there's, there's well over a billion of them out there. What does your audience consist of mostly? Well, it's kind of, it varies. So we've done some market research, I guess you would call it, some surveys of our listeners. And um, we were majority women, but just a small majority. But it tends to focus on um, like... People in their 30s and 40s, some millennials. Young, younger, too. We yeah. saw younger, too. Yeah. Some millennials. Uh, and then families. Uh, we focus a lot on some of our like intro and outro types of work on our relationship and co-parenting. Our interviews that we have are a wide variety of different people. But um, we try to make it really family-friendly. And so when you listen to our show... You're not going to hear profanity, and we try to make it something that you could play while your kids are in the car because Mm -hmm. we, between the two of us, have three kids, and they like to listen to the show. And so we try to market it in that way, and um, we know some people are looking for things that are a little bit edgier, but that's not really our vibe. Well, I try to do it more radio-friendly. I I always say, like, like radio for me has always been the benchmark Mm -hmm. for how I like our podcast to be like mm-hmm. you know it's funny I, I remember when i came on your show a couple of months ago and i asked you in advance like what kind of show do you want to be you said pg pg 13 at most <laughs> and i remember i had a i had a post-it note on my desk and i taped it to the computer that says no f words and i remember just literally staring at this at this <laughs> post-it note while i'm talking to you and i remember that there was a long delay when you were when we were talking about some of my past activities and i was like uh, no, I don't believe so. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, I was very proud of myself for that considering I'm an old sailor. So, oh yeah, I hear you. I'm an old trucker, so I guess I get, I get the vibe. But I yeah. know maybe you need a post-it note like that. Uh, well, okay, I can always edit it out. <laughs> and I think I tell our guests because we have the uh, advanced version of Clean Feed where you can run multiple tracks, mm-hmm. so everybody's on their own track. So that I told the guest, I say, hey, if you say anything, don't worry about it. Um, I will just 
bleep silence it out. It. Yeah, yeah, silence it out and edit. You know, and it doesn't affect the show. So now you guys are coming up on. I believe you just started season two. Am I correct on that? Year two. Yeah. Well, yeah. We don't usually do seasons so much. We don't classify. We do year more like two. years. Okay. Yeah, years. It's so our second year. What What kind of traffic are you guys up to? Are you You've carved out a nice niche of the of the podcasting world for yourselves, or are you guys struggling for listeners? Or well, just like a lady never tells her age, we have made a commitment to not actually share numbers because for us, we feel like it takes away from the the true nature of why we went into podcasting, which mm-hmm. was for ourselves and for our relationship. We have very strong numbers and consistent downloads and we are across I think over 25 countries right 30, now. I think 30 by yeah, now. Close That's to awesome. 30 countries. And uh we have listeners from I believe 46 of the 50 states. Um and so we feel like and we feel like we've got a really nice following. We have some real loyal listeners and uh you know get a good social media presence and people interacting with us. And so you know it was never for the numbers that we went into this but we have been uh, very pleasantly surprised along the way as to who listens and why they listen and then who reaches out to us to ask them to ask us to be on their show because maybe something we've said has hit home with them and we find that it's mostly when we tell our stories of our journey through dating after divorce and blending our families that people really connect with us my question for you now that you are in year two have you got like big plans like you know, are you gonna go to patreon are you are you Anything well, like we that? actually, funny thing is, we started the Patreon like after episode two or three, but I never really did anything with it. Like, I set the account up and I even plugged it on the podcast, but but we never got anything happening. So, Christine's like, maybe we shouldn't plug it so much. I think it's turning people off. The mm. whole they might sound like a desperate, you know, or whatever. So, we stopped, we stopped. Kind of, I mean, I do link it into the show, like at the show notes, there's a link for it, mm-hmm. but. We never really like plug it. It's not become a big, big part of our show. It, it is available. I do have the account set up, but uh, if anybody's out there that wants to uh, <laughs> tip us big on Patreon, we'd appreciate that. I have, a, qu- when- I have, a, I have a quick question for Christine, real fast. You were just talking about you were in forty six of fifty states. Of the f- of the four that you're missing, what state would you like to be in the most? Oh, that's a tricky question. I don't know what state. Um, which ones are they? So I don't think that we have any listeners in Montana so far. And do so, they have phones in Montana though? <laughs> don't, don't put down. We want to get into Montana. I just think it's a pretty big state. I know it's not super populous, right. but um, we would love to have listeners in Montana. I find that in the the more southern part of the East Coast, we have a pretty heavy presence. Mm-hmm. We don't have a consistent listenership from like new jersey area or maine we have a couple a couple but i would say like that presence getting a little bit more concentrated in the northern east coast states would Mm -hmm. be really great because i think that has lots of connections overseas and then through the mid part of the country but i think that you know back to your other question of plans for year two one of the other things that we've been branching into and i say by we i mean chris is oh, yeah? um, more studio services and offering up editing services and consultations to up and coming podcasters. And um, we've put together some little modules to do one on one consultations with beginning podcasts. And uh, Chris is really great at that. He's really, I think, uh, got a talent, a knack for teaching people some of the ropes of what's worked for us and right. and helping them through the editing process. And mm. so that's something that I would love to see him grow in because well, I know he's you. so passionate about it. Well, it's it. also too, I have, I have a pretty good ear for these kind of things. Like a lot of the, like I don't understand a lot of the heavier programming or the heavier equipment that's out there. I don't understand any of that stuff, but I do understand what my ears can hear. And if it sounds good to me, then it sounds good. And what I've always tried to do from the earliest days of our podcast is try to make it sound the best I can with very, very little investment involved. Mm. And you can do that. And I think a lot of people think that when they get into podcasting, they need to buy this $500 microphone or this $1,000 mixer or this new computer and all this fancy junk. You really can do it with maybe 50 bucks investment, maybe a hundred bucks investment. You can have a really good sounding show. Um, it doesn't take a lot. I think for me, the most part of the expense that I've occurred is, is yes, I needed uh, a filter box. Yes, I needed a you know I needed a good microphone, and I needed obviously to pay for the platform to host my show on. I feel like that's where most of my costs have gone. But, but you don't even have to do if, that now. You can go free. If there's places that have it for free, we don't do that. But there are yeah. ones that are for free. 
Although I would kind of be wary about ones that are free because you never know. Um, you know, I mean, if it's free, it's, I mean, it's like anything in life, you yeah. know? Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> but no, I, I tell you, honestly, I, I, me, Derek, I've, I'm a, I'm a loyal listener. I've been enjoying your show for quite a long time, even before I was a guest on it a couple of months ago. I, I have to say, and, and I mean this sincerely, if it wasn't for you guys, most of what we're doing today would probably wouldn't exist because Chris, Chris, you have basically held my hand through this entire process. And, I know, uh, I, I, I know. It's a sweaty hand at that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> for all my, my loyal Derek Duvall listeners, tr trust me, if it wasn't for Chris and Christine, there would be no Derek Duvall. So, uh, yeah, it's you guys are you guys are pretty much the, the genesis behind some of this project. Well, like I said, if we can do it, then anybody can do it. And it's so simple. If you need help, you hit us up, ChrisandChristineShow.com. And, uh, and it's Chris and Christine with K's. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you can hit us up, and we will uh, we'll hook you hook you through the uh, the process of starting up. But it's it's very very simple to do. That's awesome. That's the awesome. hard part, I think, for most people is is uh, just starting. You know, that's the hardest part. My opinion is this: is like there are a million movie podcasts, there are a movie, there are a million music podcasts. To find something that's truly original, very hard to do in this in this right. To find something that's truly original, and the problem I have with podcasting is like now you've got your Conan O'Briens, you got your you know, your Rob Lowe's and the, the big celebrities, name, the stuff, celebrities yeah. are starting to get into podcasting and you're like, well, how can I compete with that? You know? So yeah, that's right. That's, that's hard because I think like, I always, we had a celebrity on once and I asked him cause he had a podcast and I asked him because you're a celebrity, did you automatically get all these like numbers? And he said, no, not really. Maybe at first, but, um, but I think it depends. I mean, every major celebrity, they're going to have their fans, no matter what they do, no matter what they say, they're going to, they're going to be glued to whatever thing they put out there. But I think of these, a lot of these celebrity shows, they do get kind of boring because they're them talking to their buddies about what's going on in their billion dollar houses right. and how they're yeah. made mistreated this one day and how <laughs> their, their Lamborghini got a flat tire and it's in the world. You so know I mean? So basically what you're saying is not relatable. <laughs> You know, we try to be, well, we are super down-to-earth people, and we try to bring a down-to-earth vibe to our podcast so that it's accessible and relatable and something that people feel like we're genuinely in it to help make the lives of other people better. See, my, the idea of between my show, what, like kind of like what we talked about a couple months ago when I said what I wanted to do, was basically I wanted to showcase people who – who are doing extraordinary things like in your case you're uh, you know a, a future husband and wife who are trying to communicate the, to people that yes you can have success after divorce you know you can you know be happy again you know and i admire that about you guys the fact that you guys also took it and made it a show is even better for me and that's why i was so honored that you guys were, were willing to come on my show well and if you buddy Anything. yeah we appreciate being invited you know we take a, a very humble approach to this that Everybody that's tuning in is taking, just like you've mentioned, an hour or whatever out of their day to listen to this. And they, you know, time is a currency and mm -hmm. we all have to be very careful about how we spend it. And so if we're going to take time to talk with people, we want them to feel that we've shared our hearts and been vulnerable and transparent mm -hmm. and not been some of those people that try to put on airs or you know, try to come off as something that we're not. Chris and I Yeah, are, it's like the Facebook, uh, what's it, flashy Facebook or flat. Or yeah, like the Instagram mm -hmm. feeds that are like super perfect. Like look at my new car I just bought or look at my right. new blah, blah, blah. Here's my perfect husband and my perfect wife and perfect mm -hmm. kids and blah, blah, you know. Yeah, yeah, we're two very imperfect people that are just trying to figure out how to navigate our way through love and blending our families. And podcasting has helped become a really good vehicle for us through that. And also, I think uh, consistency is king. If you can be very consistent on your show or any show, I think it really, really helps out to be, um, you know, to, to put it out there every single – even if it's kind of mediocre, I think just constantly plugging away at anything you do and just don't give up, you know? I think what I might do is uh, put a tagline at the end of the show saying, Match.com actually can work. <laughs> yes, if you're going to go to Match.com, use promo code Chris and Christine, and you get you get 100 off of your first date. Oh my gosh, you're such a liar! But do you but, actually? But do you get to message to each other though? <laughs> right, uh, you 100 off your first date with, with the love of your choice. 
<laughs> so I actually did a uh, message match.com our story and say like, would you be interested in being a sponsor for a podcast? And I heard crickets. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I have one last question. I ask all my guests and this, this is probably the most heaviest question I ask. If you have a chance right now that the entire planet is listening to this show, what do you want to say to them? Well, I would say you can find us at chrisagerseyshow.com. <laughs> what you got, baby? Um, I would say that we would love for you to tune in to our show and hear our hearts and listen to our journey with our hope to be to inspire each of you. All right, guys. Go ahead and tell them how they can find your amazing podcast. All right, so you can find us on Instagram at K2ShowSanDiego. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, we also are on Facebook. You can find The Chris and Christine Show, and that's Chris and Christine with Case. Uh, our website is chrisandchristineshow.com. Again, Chris and Christine Show with Case. And you can email us at chrisandchristinepodcast at gmail.com. But everything you want to know, everything you want to know about us is found right on our website. That is chrisandchristineshow.com. You will find links to all of our places you can hear our podcast whether it's uh, apple or google or stitcher or witcher or nitcher or whatever they have next <laughs> days i don't know you can find us on all those ones <laughs> plus you can find our email links and all that good stuff and a little bios about us and a little background and we got some cool little youtube videos on there and as a special little treat i just tossed up there this week we have a little section that has other podcasts that we have guested on we have those also on the podcast on the website i want to say thank you guys so much from the bottom of my heart you guys are absolutely phenomenal people and i'm i'm beyond beyond overjoyed that i know you guys so uh, i want you guys to enjoy the rest of your weekend best you can i hope your uh, your your house gets sorted out soon and your refinance <laughs> <We> do. us too <laughs> guys thank you so much for listening thanks derek thanks for having us on the show thanks Derek. and that brings us to the end of episode three of the Derek Duvall Show, I want to throw a massive thanks out to my great podcasting pal, Russ, from the Infectious Groove for stopping by and shooting the breeze with me, and to my great friends, Chris and Christine, for coming on today. A few housekeeping chores before we close up shop. Friend of the show, Stephen Alexander, is still in dire need of a life-saving kidney. If you or anyone is interested in donating, please call the Upstate Transplant Services at 315 315- 464-5413. Steve is a truly amazing guy, a great guitarist, and let's be honest, easy on the eyes. Also, look for him in an upcoming episode. On a very personal note, a huge happy birthday to Mrs. Derek Duvall. You make 39 look like 25. I cannot wait to celebrate with you soon. As always, remember to have your pets spayed and neutered and adopt. Don't shop. You may not know this, but secondhand pets make first-class companions, and your new best friend could just be a car ride away. So on behalf of the entire team of The Derek Duvall Show, we say, vote like your life depended on it, and please don't be selfish. Wear a mask. See you in two weeks, planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duvall Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, for the latest news on downloads and to explore past episodes. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Derek Duvall Show.